Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of Operations, the show where we look under the hood of companies in hypergrowth. My name is Sean Lane. Today we've got a really special episode of the podcast for you because we recorded this episode live from Hypergrowth. If you don't know, Hypergrowth is Drift's conference. We held this at the Wang Theater in Boston in September. We had one in London over the summer. We've got one coming up in November in San Francisco, but this was our Boston one, and we actually set up a podcast booth in the middle of the conference. The whole Wang Theater was all decked out for the conference. We had amazing speakers, people like Alex Honnold from Free Solo, Sarah Blakely from Spanx, Danny Meyer, the founder of Union Square Hospitality and Shake Shack. The list went on. It was an incredible day. But we had this podcast booth, and we got to set up in the middle of the booth, and all of the different podcasts across the Drift's Hypergrowth Podcast Network got to record throughout the day. Even DC sat down with some of our special guests as well. You'll hear all that content soon. But for the Operations Podcast, I sat down with someone who you hear a lot about people who are serial entrepreneurs. I sat down with someone who's a serial operator. This person started as the first ops person at three different companies. Three different times she has gone through hypergrowth, and three different times she's been the person who has built the foundation upon which the operations team has been built. So I wanted to learn more about what made her motivated to do that, what it looked like to be the first ops person. And we went on off on a whole bunch of other topics as well. So I'd like to introduce you to Heidi Rodding who's the Senior Director of Operations at Rapid Miner. Heidi and I talked about her being a three-time operator. We talked about why operations people should have a background in hospitality. Yes, background in hospitality. And we talked about building a community of operators. After all, we were at Hypergrowth. It was a great time to talk about community. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Heidi Rodding live from Hypergrowth. Hi, Heidi. Hi, Sean. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having Welcome me. Welcome to Hypergrowth. It's been very fun, the hyped up uh, music. Love it. Good. Is this your, very energetic is this after your the first hypergrowth? Labor Day. Labor Day. Okay. Yeah, one of those holidays. It is my second. Cool. So you, did you come last year or the it first one? First one. You were at the first mm-hmm. one. I wasn't even at the first one. It was really well done, actually. So I, I heard it was like it. like fire code status. Like there was too many people in the room. There were a lot. It was the lines for the bathroom were terrible. Well, yeah. it's just like okay. that, honestly, like we're, so we're at the Wang Theater today. So uh, much better. And like I feel like I'm walking out when the we have like the coffee breaks and things like intermission to a show. It's like everyone. Goes I want their a ballet separate to ballet ways. Come out soon. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. I mean, you never know what we have on tap for the second <laughs> half of the day. So first of all, thank you so much for being here, like taking time away from part of the conference to to be here with us. Heidi is the director, excuse me, senior director (laughs) of revenue operations at Rapid Miner. She's also a Drift customer, so thank Mm -hmm. you. So first, before we get into anything else, you've been in ops for quite some time. But here's the thing, you majored in biology. Marine biology. Excuse me, marine biology. (laughs) And your first gig out of school, or one of your first gigs Mm -hmm. out of school was at a zoo. Yes. So first, tell me about the zoo you worked at. Okay, huge shout out to the Phoenix Zoo in okay. Arizona, okay. nonprofit. We saved rhinos from other profit zoos who were gonna kill them because they wanted the baby animals to come in. Oh we took the rhinos in, bought their very expensive arthritis medicine, and it was just literally the coolest gig of my life. I, I have to say that. That but, is so cool. How long were you there? <laughs> One year. And is it only rhinos? No, they have otters, zebras, giraffes, you name it. Wow. So, I mean, I have to ask now, like, what was your favorite animal at the zoo? The otters. The Actually, otters. that tied with the orangutans. Apparently both O animals, but... Wow. All right. That's amazing. Okay. So, 
I have more questions about that, but I'm gonna save them. Okay. So tell me, like, connect the dots for me. How do you go from being a marine biology major who worked at a zoo to working in operations? Yes. So I had zero business acumen coming into the business world. Okay. I stumbled across Rapid7 on a Craigslist ad, which is how we found jobs back in the day. <laughs> but the reason I departed the zoo, backing up just a step, is it was not paying off my student loans. I was waitressing on top of it. It was really, really, really great experience, but I had a lot of debt to pay off. Mm. So I moved back to Boston, back with my college friends, and came across that Craigslist ad. I went and interviewed there, and then two other companies, mm. and I just loved the vibe they had. It was super startup mentality. They knew that I had no experience, but they just asked really intelligent questions around work ethic and they just knew apparently this is what the VP of sales says that I would be a very good hard worker and what I quickly found out is that a startup is a zoo <laughs> it really translates really well wow, it's just really from one zoo to another okay, <laughs> yeah, I came that. back full circle Love it. it is truly a zoo and what I loved about it and probably why my waitressing after works always helped is I like making chaos into order I don't mind being in the weeds I actually start to get I think even better and more excited when I'm in the weeds and even though I didn't understand any acronym whatsoever that they threw at me, I didn't know what VC funding was because I started before that came into play. I just knew it was exciting to be a part of and I love trying to find solutions to problems. And there's plenty of those with a startup. And starting <laughs> so clean, right? Starting mm -hmm. with like such a clean slate, starting with no experience, like how did you go through that evolution to start to pick up on those things? I do think that business actually translates fairly well with biology. Mm -hmm. It's trying to understand what happens over here and then how does that affect something way over here, whether it be upstream or mm -hmm. downstream. Everything's connected or should be connected mm -hmm. in some way. And I'm just trying to make a flow chart of what's happening, where are the gaps, and how do we make things more effective and more automated. Mm -hmm. So you must really enjoy that, like, connecting piece because you did four years of Rapid7, yep. then you went on to be a, an early, if not the first person the first. on the ops team at Acquia. You did that yes. for nearly four years and yes. then now you are kind of like on your third tour of duty yes. at Rapid Miner, again with nearly four years there already. Mm -hmm. So I guess my first question is like, why do you keep doing this over <laughs> and over again, right? Like, not just joining an ops team or not just joining a startup, but literally being the first person in to start an ops team from scratch. I'm sick, I'm addicted <laughs> to it. <laughs> There's definitely I really, something. really enjoy the chaos and it is a lot of chaos. I think you can achieve something every day in startup and that is so gratifying in its own way. But I also love the relationship side. You can have, you have to have to be successful, every relationship across the board, whether it be the developer who works by himself in the corner with the hoodie on, or the CEO who has no idea what you do but knows it's helpful and just wants you to keep plugging away. I had to learn how to adapt to every single type of audience and connect. And the social part of it is really, really fun. Mm. So I do enjoy that. And then I really enjoy building teams. I keep in touch with pretty much every single person I've ever hired in my last 12 years. And I hire a lot of green or entry level people mm. and try to help them grow because I really find 
their success path is way more interesting than sometimes what I do. Tell me more about that, because that's a question we get a lot from people who listen to this show, is like, how do I grow in my ops career? And mm-hmm. you're finding people who, it sounds like, more likely than not, are, were kind of like yourself, and didn't yeah. really have an ops background coming into that. Yes. I personally love anybody that has waitressing, bartending, mm. sort of hospitality experience, yeah. because again, they're the ones who are okay being in the weeds. In operations, you're always in the weeds. The better you are, the more stuff you get thrown your way. Mm. So I am a big fan of those green people that are open to coaching. Mm. So they don't come in and say, well, we did it this way at XYZ Company, so we should do it again this way. You don't know what you don't know, and there's so many ways of doing things. So having these people that are completely green and just want to learn and grow are my absolute favorite. And they are now running teams themselves, pretty much, I would say 75% of my hires. Wow. I mean, they're we're all gonna work for them someday. I'm so <laughs> glad you said that thing about hospitality though, because um, one, like I worked in hospitality as well, and it's always something that I thought was helpful to me in operations. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're saying about being in the weeds is definitely a huge part of it, but I think for me at least, another big part of it is like the customer service side yes. and the fact that going to different tables or being behind a bar, you have to engage with and interact with totally different types of people mm-hmm. and like based off of their wants and needs, react to those. Yes. And ops is basically the same thing, right? The way one VP of sales thinks is not the same way as a different one thinks. And if you can take all those different inputs in and put something back out there, then I think that makes you probably pretty good at ops as well. Absolutely. And I think Danny Myers this morning actually alluded to it with his emotional traits. I could not have encapsulated that better myself. It was dead on. Molly Sloan, who produces a whole bunch of our podcasts for us and sitting outside the booth right now, mm-hmm. we'll have to get like a blog post with her about you know yes. why being in hospitality is going to make you good at ops. Yes. That's an idea. We can get that. It, it is putting, if you have happy employees, happy customers, everything comes full circle with revenue. All right. Back to you. And you're, you're on your third go around, right? Yes. So I would assume that some things on this third go around were easier than yes. your first two go arounds. So like, what did you take with you from those first two times building ops teams that you knew coming into Rapid Miner, okay, these are the things I definitely know I have to do? Defining how many customers you have as a company. (laughs) I have not worked for a company where I started, we could say we have X number of customers, Mm. whether it be a difference of definitions or systems not aligning between finance and CRM. But I would say that is probably one of the first things I tackle everywhere is okay what is our definition let's come to agreement and then i love getting my hands dirty another reason i love startups so we get into the systems clean it out and make that a perfectly clean slate if it wasn't already which in my case was not systems first yes systems Systems and customers i almost look okay together you were telling me that one of the companies you went to we want to say which one like (laughs) literally like they were handing you pieces of paper for like what the customer was buying or something. Yes, we didn't have customer success in the CRM. We didn't have renewals. Everything was tracked in the spreadsheet by Excel. So starting with the systems, any other things that you brought with you from the previous gigs? I think it's being okay with that I don't know what I don't know and Mm. being completely okay with ambiguity. Mm. Startups have a lot of ambiguous situations that you have to be okay navigating and trying to find out what's your North Star, where do you need to focus your time, and that does differ from company to company. But being okay with that ambiguity is, it just gets you ahead of the game because people get scared, they start reeling, and again, it's making that chaos. So it's almost like 
you're not going in saying, okay, I've done this two times before. I know exactly what we need to do. But never it's do more that. like you have this framework that you're working within and you by now have the context to be able to look around and say, okay, this is what's happening here. This is what's happening here. Yes. I recognize this, but the solution might not be exactly the same as it was at Acquia or at Rapid And it Science. usually isn't. And I'm okay with that. Yes. Right. And, and if it were, it might be a little boring. <laughs> I agree. Right? You probably wouldn't get your like in the weeds yep. stuff that you're talking about. <laughs> One of the other things I want to talk to you about was the fact that you've seen as your career has evolved the role of sales operations and revenue operations and biz ops, whatever you want to call it, you've seen that evolve as well. To the point where when you first started, you weren't even sure like what to call this, right? You weren't sure what to tell people your job was. Yes. The Craigslist ad said sales support. Okay. And that was fine by me. Sat in my chair and I was like, okay, what is this? Like, just do anything and everything sales needs you to do. (laughs) And I was okay with it. What happened was simple scenarios such as sales reps writing down their call connects on Mm -hmm. a piece of paper, writing down their name, email, and title, and how long their conversation was. Was it, if it was over two minutes, we would consider that a connect. And they would hand me that sheet and... All of a sudden, I'm like, why don't we just throw a checkbox into this person's lead in the system? And then I run a report on Connects versus me typing everything in, them spending time writing it down. We're just wasting everyone's time and energy. So that's when I started figuring out, okay, everyone's working hard, but no one's working smart per se. And I started just asking around, searching the internet. What do people do for this? How do they do this? Trying to find other people in my line of work that I could connect to and see how they did things. So it was really just learning where can I automate, where can I be effective, and try to get sales just selling, not spending time on paper, not spending time filling things out in the system even, if I can make it one click, that's a success. And do you think that like through the work that you've done to either make some of those salespeople successful or to make some of those processes less painful, that you were able to kind of change the lens through which you saw your role and other people saw your role, like from this like sales support to a more, you know, people always say like, oh, I don't really want to be in a support function for the company. I want to be in a strategic role for the company, right? Which is like, you know, fluffy language, but like (laughs) that's what everybody says. Yes. And so have you been able to change your lens through which you see your work and more importantly, the way other people see your work? Yes. When I found the definition of sales operations back then, it was really trying to make systems, processes, and people more effective. Got it. And that's exactly what I was doing every day. Mm. And so I dug a little more. There weren't a lot of people with that title in smaller companies. Mm. It seemed more, it occurred more in larger organizations. Mm. So it was hard for me to find others. When I did, we started saying, oh, your operations, your operations, and their title might not have matched, but people were starting to hear this word more and more, and whether in marketing like, or finance. Yeah. And you started to latch on to some of those other people, right? And that was yes. that's I know, something you're passionate about, is building this community of other operations people. Yes, absolutely. I have learned so much from the companies I've been at, but I know there's so many other companies that do things differently, and I still have so much to learn. So I built a LinkedIn group. I was trying to find the date. I think it was five years ago. Wow. I believe it was. And I LinkedIn connected a bunch of people that had similar responsibilities, mm-hmm. if not titles, and asked them, would you like to meet up? Boston only, tech company only. And I had two people, plus my best friend, who was a nurse and not even plus in the field. Plus your best friend or including your best friend? Plus. Okay, all right. So there were two new people, thank God. <laughs> uh, we showed up at Tavern in the Square. And we sat down and just talked about what we did and what worked, what didn't work, what questions they had, what I had. 
And I, it was awesome. It was just two new people that I could connect to and brainstorm with and had no idea that other, just didn't know other ways of doing things that they had accomplished, which were super successful for them. Well, Ops is, I think, a little bit unique just in the sense that usually the team is smaller inside the organization, right? Mm -hmm. So that's problem number one. Yes. Problem number two is there's often not a lot of other people even within an Ops team that are doing the same job as you. Usually people are a little bit more varied and independent. So whereas a salesperson can turn to their left and turn to their right and have a whole team of people doing the exact same job and lean on them. Yes. Ops are like a little bit more isolated. And so having a community like that can be really helpful. And it's funny. Even if it's only two people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was glad anyone showed up, but yes. It's funny for being such an isolated team across companies, you're also the bridge to every mm. other team. So you're probably the most, you know, the, you're the grease behind the wheels. Totally. But you're right, finding those other individuals was difficult. But I think the more I stuck to it, I mean, our group now today is over 500 people. Amazing. And this is Boston, sales, marketing, revenue ops, biz ops, you name it, ops folks. And it's not just LinkedIn anymore, there's a Slack channel. I know because yes. I'm in it. Yes, we just finally, I, I would almost say we've outgrown our LinkedIn group <laughs> and we've grown into a more global or, well, I think right now we're United States, but we will be global, revenue ops group and I can't even count how many people are in there but you see the activity yeah. we have five different channels there's someone on it all the time and you still in addition to those virtual resources are still doing physical meetups too yes. right yeah and like can you give me an example of a topic that, that you guys have covered recently yeah. that might be helpful for people our last topic was change management mm -hmm. very great panel that we put on including one of the guys I'd hired at my last company and before that was clean as you go. So mm. helpful tips and tricks on how to keep your CRM clean. Cool. So I have a question that I, I need your help with as one of the people who like run some of these events. And I'm not saying this happened at your event, but I've <laughs> been to ops events before where you show up and all of it is, is ops people complaining about their jobs. <laughs> or about salespeople. Yeah. And so like, here's the bad version of that change management panel, which is not the way it went. A bad version of that is like, everyone shows up, it's like, yeah, like, I had this great idea that I, as the ops person, thought was amazing. I wanted to implement it, and then a bunch of people got in my way, and I couldn't do it, and so therefore I am now sad. Yes. Right? And like, then they tell everybody about it, mm -hmm. and like, it's just not helpful. Correct. So how do you, within your communities that you're building, prevent that from being the case? How do you stop that like finger pointing and like woe is me attitude? I actually think our community is a much better off place. It's almost more internal in the work environments mm. where people don't understand and it is the that mentality. So I would say the people that invest the time after their hard day of work coming to these events mm. aren't too negative, thank God. But internally, I think it's about adoption and enablement. If you... I always recommend, if you're going to roll something out, no matter how small it is, go to your top achieving rep and go to your biggest hater <laughs> or your most <laughs> your I saddest rep of them all win them both over and see okay I want to do this do you like it if you don't why work with them if you get those two people right those are your most extremes that's, so that's such a actually good point. a great way to and then they're also behind the enablement before you even roll it out to the rest of the right. team so getting them to almost be your rep, advocates biggest hater yeah get them together yeah. I like that a lot I also like what you said about look the people who are taking that extra time to go to an event, to listen to a mm -hmm. podcast, to read up on a specific topic or post in... Go-getters. You know, yeah, like yep. those are the people who you want on your team in the first place, mm -hmm. and so it's a great place to do that. Amazing, before we go, okay. I've got a quick set of lightning round of questions that we ask all of our guests. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, ready? Best book you've read in the last six months? 
Taking on Water by David Roddy. Okay, it's my know. brother. No way. <laughs> Sorry, you set me that's up for amazing. that. That's amazing. Yes. So he wrote, is, is it fiction? Uh, it is, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. And we can, like, I can go on Amazon and buy yes, a book? Yeah, it's two books. <laughs> oh my god. This is a talented family. All right. Taking on fiction. Ta- Taking on, on water, water by David Roddy. Look it up. Favorite part about working in ops? You might go in thinking you know exactly what you're going to do that day, but there's a very good chance that you don't touch any of it because other things happen. Uh, <laughs> you never know, know what you're going to get. Life's I, a monster. I might know what your answer to this is going to be as well. Least favorite part about working in operations. <laughs> yes. I could revert back to that. <laughs> but I know my least favorite part is when people think sales ops is CRM system admin. Mm. Nothing fires me up more than that. How do you fight that? Uh, I, I say clearly you haven't worked with this <laughs> revenue operations professional. You've worked with a system admin, and that's a very important strategic role. Mm. But it's not the entire, it's just one portion of what sales operations does. Got it. Someone who impacted you getting the job you have today. Tom Wentworth, CMO, huge drift advocate. <laughs> yes, I know. I don't know Tom in real life, but I just know him like on Twitter. <laughs> yes. He was my CMO at Acrea. He's also my CMO at Rapid Miner. Awesome. And one piece of advice for someone who wants to have your job someday. You don't know what you don't know. And I think that is so important. And going in, especially if you inherit a team, Mm. just let the time to absorb, ask questions instead of coming in mandated. Even if your framework has worked before, let other people fail. Meaningful failure experiences. I've failed many times and I've learned something from each one. So just don't do it twice. That's awesome. Those might have been a few. No, no, that, that, that all lines up. Awesome. Heidi Rodding, Senior Director of Revenue Operations at Rapid Miner. It's a mouthful. Yeah, it is. Uh, I agree. Thank you very much for doing this. Really thank appreciate you. it. Appreciate it. High five. <laughs>Thanks so much to Heidi for being our guest on today's episode. And thanks to the team at Drift who made the podcast booth at Hypergrowth happen. Thanks to Jana and Mark and Molly and Elizabeth and the whole team who helped get everything set up and record that episode. Quick plug. We did this at the September Hypergrowth in Boston. We've got one more Hypergrowth event before the end of the year. It's November 18th in San Francisco at the Masonic. This is our second year going back to San Francisco. Last year was an enormous success. We're super excited to be going back to San Francisco again. Again, that's November 18th. If you listen to the operations podcast and you live on the West Coast or you're going to be heading to the West Coast and you need a ticket, shoot me a message on LinkedIn, Sean Lane, or email me slane at drift.com and I can hook you up with a promo code. I've got a few left that I can give out for the hypergrowth in November. Also, if you like the show, leave us a six-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's going to do it for me. We'll see you next time.